Thank you for joining us here on Cliff Central once again. This is Michael Jackson on In Conference with Michael Jackson, the show that Gareth and I figured out might be of interest to you. I'm a professional conference speaker, speaking at around 180 conferences a year. I've done that for about 15 years. Why that's important is that I get to spend time with some of the most interesting people in the world, on stage, backstage, and around stages. And we thought it would be really cool for you to meet them and get a chance to sort of get to know them a little bit as well with this particular program. I'm also very fond of homegrown South African talent, and I'm delighted to tell you that my guest on this podcast episode is also exactly that, a a phenomenal, sorry, a phenomenal legend in his own regard. If I'm lisping a bit, I've just come from the dentist, and it feels absolutely incredible. Um, So I'm going to talk less and get my guest talking a lot more you can hear him chuckling in the background a radio host on 702 talk radio a journalist with massive experience previous winner of financial journalist of the year mr bruce whitfield how are you sir michael michael jackson i'm i'm just delighted that it was you in the dentist chair and not me uh, i hope you don't take it the wrong way i'm just very grateful um, but i'm i'm a, Three years overdue a visit as well, so uh, the, the roles could be reversed fairly soon. And mine was very, very gentle with me, as I hope to be with you. Um, but how are things going in the world of Bruce Whitfield and the world of money and journalism? You know what? I mean, journalism is in crisis around the world. Print is dying, the internet is booming, but nobody's yet figured out how to make money out of it. And I think we, it's such an interesting transitionary phase at the time where we thought video was going to kill the radio star. It didn't. And as it turns out, the internet hasn't killed journalism. By now, mainstream journalism was supposed to be dead. Everybody was supposed to be just online. And while online is a phenomenal channel for distribution of content, as Cliff Central will attest to, um, it's not the only channel. And what we're seeing is media existing in multiple channels. And people are still picking up a morning newspaper, but they're, still, they, they're catching up on news online. More and more people are going mobile. The mobile devices is, is the future of communication. So it's really interesting to see how it is evolving. What's really fun is to be part of that process. And I'm so lucky um, to be in journalism at a time where there are multiple outlets for content. Because, of course, content is what audiences desire. It is what advertisers want to attach their brands to. And I, I think we're in a massively sweet but difficult spot right now in the world of media. Personally, um, you never know what quite is going to happen when you wake up in the morning. And you experience this, I'm sure, Michael, as you go up to one of your 180 conferences a year, which, by the way, is a very impressive uh, total. Um, you, you don't quite know who you're going to meet during the day. You have absolutely no idea what they're going to tell you. You've got absolutely no idea at that moment how you're going to utilize that information. But we are living in the most extraordinary information age. There, frankly, isn't enough time in the day to utilize all of the information with which uh, we are swamped, which is deluged upon us every single day. It's a massively luxurious position to be in, frankly. Well, what intrigues me about the transitional story that you've just described now is that you yourself, as a journalist across print, radio, television, you've made all of those successful transitions and built yourself a cult following um, across the region, certainly, if people don't know you fully around the world, you know, that you're so well known across the South African and Southern African landscape that I think people uh, in business perhaps live in a bit of fear of Mr. Bruce Whitfield. Uh, it's very nice of you to say so, and I only wish it were true. I, I have no idea. 
<laughs> to be frank, it, it's a job, uh, thank goodness. And you know, in journalism, we're grateful to have jobs, and especially jobs with a little bit of longevity. Uh, it, it's a rare privilege, Michael, to be able to work across radio, television, in print, online, uh, and to be able to participate in podcasts, of course, because that uh, extends the value of the content. In the olden days of radio, you would go into a studio, would talk into a microphone, the content would, would go out into the air and disappear like water or, or through beach sand never to be seen again. Um, that's the marvel of the techno- technological age, and that is the marvel of, the, of content and durability of content. Well, it comes a huge amount of responsibility as well, and it's the added pressure, of course, of the speed with which information is disseminated, the longevity online, and boy, when you get it wrong, Michael Jackson, it comes around and bites you in places you did not know existed. So, um, yeah, one's got to be very, very cautious. One's got to be very careful. Um, as, as for being terribly well-known, it's nice of you to say, um, my son Googled me. He's eight at school the other day. Uh, he got bored very quickly. So I've got to work out how to tap that market, the eight-year-old market. But if I'm tapping uh, markets with money, um, I'll take that for now. Thank you. I love that. And I'm sure that when you do Google you, by the way, when you type in Bruce and then the first four letters of your surname, it's already giving me Bruce Whitfield's suggestions. So that's not bad from a Google point of view as well. But you're making a further transition now, aren't you? You're moving into the space of conference presenting, getting out there live. Uh, still a microphone, but a live audience rather than uh, sitting as we're doing now in the desk at a studio. Step aside, Michael Jackson. You're 180 conferences. No, I mean, I, I I'm terrified. I'm terrified. <laughs> I mean, you, you approached me at a conference about three or four years ago. You said, listen, you need to do this and I can help you. Just yeah, give me a call. And I said, of course I will. And then I retreated back into the box and started thinking very vigorously about what, what sort of content could add value in a world deluged with content. Um, and I've devised uh, the first of what I anticipate and hope will be a series of discussions, and it really was precipitated by the crisis that South Africa faced in December last year. I don't know if you remember, but there was an incident on the 9th of December last year where the country's president fired the finance minister, appointed a new finance minister for the grand total of 92 hours, and then reappointed an old finance minister when the previous finance minister wouldn't take his job back. It was messy, as I'm trying to illustrate, Um, and we hit an inflection point in South Africa, and the way that we've hit inflection points so many times before, whether it's been through uh, through politics or whether it has been through the failure to provide infrastructure, like, uh, for example, the ESCOM crisis of 2008, whether it be the Rubicon speech of 1985, whether it be any one of the multitude of states of emergencies and other crises that South Africa has faced over many years. And I sat in deep despair about the future of our country. I sat in deep despair about the future of my children's place in this country into the future. And I just thought to myself, hold on a second. I'm not going to allow my children's future to be stolen from them. And somehow I've got to work through uh, the, the event and try and look at it in a broader context. And what I've done is, back to my old history books, I'm very fortunate that I've I got a, a proper education. I did study journalism, but thank goodness I did history as well. Um, because history is the most magnificent tool when it comes to try and analyze what a future looks like. And there are multiple possible futures for South Africa. There are multiple possible futures for the world. But I've divined a particular set of scenarios based on the last 50 years of South African history. And you go through 
times of crisis and times of inflection and points where South Africans have gone into deep despair. Many of those inflection points pack their bags, and that's why lots of South Africans have got Australian cousins, American cousins, Canadian cousins, European cousins, and now British cousins, because British people aren't European anymore. Um, and you look at that, and you get a context of where we've come from, and you go, hold on a second. History, now if you think you've got a tough, you've really got to read history books because South Africa is in an extraordinary point in its history right now. It's at a difficult point, at a challenging point, at a point where it is deeply uncomfortable. However, one of the great things that happened in December last year was how we saw the coming together of business and labor and government for the first time in our democracy. The crisis that was sparked by the Sakim and Pantanene has led to the most incredible sequence of events this year, which all put together bode for a considerably better decade ahead than we could have considered in December last year. So the talk is called The Upside of Down. It is not a Pollyanna-ish talk. It is a talk which looks at the brutal realities in South Africa, but says before you panic, before you pull the trigger, before you do what so many people did as the rand plummeted to 19 to the dollar in December mm. and were gagging to get their money out of the country today at about 14.30, by the way, so 25% stronger than it was at its worst level. South Africans have got to learn not to panic. You've got to learn to think with your head and not with your heart. But we keep going to the brink, Michael, and it's so frustrating because in a country with so much potential, and to be constantly undermined by politics, by petty politics, by, by bad policy making. Um, it, it takes sometimes a lot of chutzpah to stand up and go, hold on a second. Let's just look at this on a longer term view. Let's look at it from a different perspective. And that's what I endeavor to do uh, with audiences. I suspect that you're going to be in very high demand indeed. I recently trod the boards on the same stage as Justice Malala, one of our media colleagues, who, you know, talks the story of, of politics from his viewpoint, as well as Clem Sunter or Chantal Ilbury with their scenario planning and that best-selling book that had the mind of a fox. So there's massive demand for the kind of content that you've got, but I'm intrigued to hear that you are talking an upbeat story, and that, I think, will help sell you into that world of conferencing even more as well, because, by God, there's not much good news in the media. No, there isn't. I mean, I was invited to go into a financial institution, into an executive committee of a financial institution to give this talk. That executive committee told another executive committee, which told an executive committee, which told the group executive committee. Um, and then the people who run those executive committees have asked me to speak to their teams of managers who fall under them. And the chief executive of this particular group has asked me to come and talk to their South African board, and I'll be doing that in a couple of weeks' time. Um, and it's really, it's about the perspective that it brings. Um, and it's about saying, you know what, guys, it's horrible, um, but it, this is not um, the end of days scenario, not for a, not for a moment, um, can, should we imagine. That, that we're coming to the end. Um, the crisis that happened in December was a was a wonderful thing. I feel terribly sorry for Ntlantla and then his political aspirations and hopes were dashed in a single statement that came out at about three minutes past eight on Wednesday, the 9th of December. Wow. However, that sacrifice of Ntlantla Nene, frankly, has put us on a far better path. Had he not gone in December, 
My bet is we would have continued the, the steady trajectory downwards in Kanza stories, the corruption stories, um, the, the abuse of state assets stories would have precipitated the downgrade in June and we would have been headed for a worse downgrade in December. And that would have become a self-fulfilling prophecy. The fact that we're banding together, the fact that we're pulling together, we need to see some results out of it. Like we can't just simply sit back now and say, oh, excellent, we're all talking to each other. This will become a better future. It's going to take some blim and hard work and there's going to be bloodshot eyes and um, there are going to be people whose marriages are going to disintegrate because they're going to have to commit so much time and energy to what is hopefully a shared future and a bright future. You know, I, I went to the Titanic exhibition when it was here. Yes. And uh, it just, the thought just struck me. As you go into the Titanic exhibition, you handed a, a boarding card um, of a passenger who did board um, the Titanic in, in April 1912. And you go through the entire exhibition and you get to the end and you see whether or not your passenger survived. Oh, wow. Now, um, and, and it's massively powerful because I was a first-class passenger. We know that if you were a first-class passenger on the Titanic, the odds of survival were considerably higher than anybody in second and certainly in steerage and much higher than crew. One of my children was in third class. Another one of my children was a crew member. Um, they survived the Titanic trip, and I, in first class, drowned. My, 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 my passenger drowned. And it struck me at that point that the good ship South Africa is pretty much like the Titanic. It has got uh, an upper crust of first-class passengers, and the rest of us schmucks sit in second and third class, and some of us work for the economy. Um, if the ship goes down, we all go down on it, whether we're traveling in first class or whether we're part of the crew or not. And we've simply got to dodge those icebergs. And so far, so good in terms of good. iceberg dodging. Good. And no doubt, Mr. Whitfield, you'll be spreading the good news and helping keep more of us afloat in that same vein. Time is against us, Bruce. As you know, with 15 minutes, it flies by. Where do people get hold of you? How do they find out where to listen to this magnificent talk? How do they get hold of Bruce Whitfield? Well, they can talk to those nice people at Unique Speakers Bureau. They, they, they're very good at this conference thing. You may have heard of them, Michael. I do. Um, and, and they, um, yeah, they uh, will enable me to come and join you and talk to you about Upside of Down. Tell them Michael Jackson sent them. Wow, the Upside of Down, Bruce Whitfield, uniquespeakerbureau.co.za. If you're looking to motivate your troops or your crew members, there's no finer way to do it. I look forward to sharing a stage with you and seeing you present on one in the not-too-distant future. Mr. Whitfield, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the program. Mr. Jackson, thank you so much for your generosity. Wow, take care, sir. And from me, Michael Jackson, and my guest, Bruce Whitfield, that's In Conference with Michael Jackson. And you're on the best podcast platform in the world. This is Cliff Central. Cliff Central. The revolution. I've got something important to tell you. Cliffcentral.com.